I believe in the verbal inspiration and authority of the Scripture. The 66 books of the Bible are the very Word of God, without error and wholly reliable in both fact and doctrine. Scripture is our final authority in faith and practice. I believe in the one true and living God, inexpressibly glorious and infinite in all His attributes and worthy of all honor, love, and obedience. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal in essence, power, and glory, and have existed eternally in perfect community. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and yet all three, God. I believe in the doctrine of sin. Man was separated from God by our disobedience. There is none righteous, no, not one. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all must look to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. His virgin birth is truly God and truly man. I believe in his substitutionary death on the cross as being the full, sufficient, and only atonement for sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from all sin. I believe in his bodily resurrection, ascension into heaven, his present priestly intercession for his people, and his personal return in glory. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit as essential for a true understanding of the scriptures and for regeneration and conversion of the sinner by leading an individual to repentance toward God and saving faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit accomplishes the sanctification of those who are saved. We believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We believe in the unity of the church. We believe in holiness as defined in scripture. We believe in love for God and neighbor as the greatest commandments and the fulfillment of all scripture. We believe that theology and doctrine are important, and we also believe that they should make us humble rather than proud. We believe that all people, regardless of faith or creed, are made in the image of God, possess human dignity, and deserve respect. Love is the Christian's greatest apologetic.
Hits in three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, back. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, JC, Nathan, and Brian, and uh, we want to welcome you to the podcast today. Man, I love that intro, guys. It it doesn't get any better than that. That's awesome, and we want to give a big shout out to Cowboy Kyle, who helped put that together for us. You realize that Cowboy Kyle has four or five ACM awards? Wow. Wow. Like he's wow. he's legit when he come when it comes to That's like Academy editing. of Country Music Academy of Country Music Awards heathens but you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he is a he's an awesome guy and we we love Cowboy Cal his mother passed away uh, last week and uh, we uh, we got to be part of the funeral there and uh, but Kyle Kyle we love you and uh, you're a good guy thanks for helping out the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast for sure so Brian how is Danville Virginia and all of the coronavirus restrictions because it's kind of loosening up a little bit here in Georgia I mean we're back in church and you know people are eating and honestly if you didn't know there was a pandemic in in Georgia. Nate, I mean, you would never really know it because everything's kind of back to normal. So yeah. Baseball, little leagues happening again. We football's definitely practicing. never stopped eating. No, we definitely <laughs> never stopped eating. My earlobe shrunk a little bit, so <laughs> I did lose a little bit of weight. But up in Danville, the land of Brian Edwards, there's still some pretty good restrictions up there, isn't there? Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Everybody now has a health issue because our governor mandated that you had to wear a mask when you're inside and unless you had a health issue. So now everybody around here has developed asthma and breathing problems, you know, so they go in the grocery stores and they can't, they can't breathe if they wear a mask. That's everybody's reason now for not wearing a mask. But, <laughs> you know, the great thing is I live in the land of country people and country people always find a way around everything. <laughs> and I loved it. We've got this total country redneck raceway around here. And, and, you know, country people all, Hey, a country boy can survive absolutely we found we find ways around everything and so when you pass this raceway he's got outside this massive sign and it says this friday night there will be a protest here all (laughs) protesters all protesters welcome but just know any sound will be drowned out by the race cars (laughs) oh my goodness that is awesome our our governor, you know, he encouraged protests, but yet they won't let fans go to the raceway. So this guy says, "Hey, we're just going to call race attendance a protest." Is that Come in on your and town? Watch the race. I read a story That's about not, that. They said like two thousand people showed up. Yes, it's not that far from here, and so <laughs> racing fans are just calling it a protest. They're running the race cars hey, wide open. Man. I think that's awesome because it's been scientifically proven that coronavirus cannot spread at a protest. It has right. been. Right. Absolutely. And evidently Danville, Virginia is like it can't have they're like, What are shoes for up there? So <laughs> Hey, and you live in Ringgold, Georgia, and I live in Trenton, Georgia. So man, we yay, yay. Hey, we all wear uh Chacos in Trenton, Georgia. I got hey dude shoes on, so we're good. <laughs> I can't handle I can't handle Chacos. I I can't either. I don't either. know where it is biblically, but and then it's worse when people take their Chacos off and they've got those goofy 
Choco you know, tan lines. Hey, me and my family, my, me, my wife, and my kids, we have Choco tan wars, and we try to see who oh, can get the best no. Choco tan. So, yeah, oh. we've got it, and we I don't have one this year yet, but uh, my daughter's is on point. My wife is really sad because our, our Labradoodle, Bowden, Florida State Seminoles, Bobby Bowden, mm. shout out. Um, Bless him, Lord. Yeah, but, uh, Bowden chewed her Chacos completely up. Wow, she, that was a $120 mistake. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Bowden. Yeah. He chewed them up completely. I like these Hey Dude shoes. Have you ever worn these things? What are they? I don't know. These are the out. most comfortable. Those are awesome. Yeah. Love they, them. I love them. They're light. They smell terrible. They float, don't they? They float. Yeah. They're awesome. I love them. What do you got on right now, Brian? Sounds what kind of shoes you got right now? Right now, I have on Skechers. We got to see them. Let me see them. <laughs> Kick that leg up. Hey, there, I haven't lifted my leg. Hey, I haven't lifted my leg up that high in twenty years. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Come break on. something. Hey, here's mine. I've got my Adidas on. Yeah, I'm at the point now. Look, look at, you, at that. Brian, you're styling, dude. I dropped a pin a minute ago, oh, yeah. and I'm at the point where I bend over to pick something up. I see what else I can do while I'm down there, so I don't have to bend over again. That's just fat man problems. <laughs> you're like 27, JC. What are you grappling about? Uh, 38. I don't believe that. Well, you know, I just turned 38. Wow. Wow. You know, Edwards only have two speeds, slow and slower. You know, which do you want? And my middle daughter is an Edwards through and through. And so when Sydney? she was little, yeah, when she was little, I was trying to rush her one day and she said, Daddy, my feet is moving. <laughs> that was her way of saying it's not getting any better. Which one just got their license? Didn't one of your daughters just get her license? Marley, Marley did. Yep. Marley. I, you know, Don't this worry. Lady, all three of my girls are driving now. <laughs> And this is crazy. I'm a worrier. I inherited that from my grandma. I'm terrified. Yeah. We worry about something to worry about. And I will be in an opposite place of my daughters. Like, I know they're nowhere around there. And if I hear a siren, I'm calling them up. Are you okay? Are you okay? Dad, we're at home. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's not even joking about that. Honestly, I don't think I've ever left being with Brian Edwards that he hasn't said, hey, bud, call me when you get there. Yeah. And he's not just saying that to be nice. He's that's, just wants to know. That's I have a feeling concerned. I'm going to be that way. Yeah. I still got a couple years until, but man, when all mine start driving, it's going like, to look like a used car lot in my yeah. front yard. All six kids having a car yep, plus my wife and ours. I'm already scared about them driving. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's yeah, coming, well, buddy. I've I'm got casting a, all those cares on the Lord. My daughter just turned 21, my oldest daughter. My son's 23, and I've got a 13-year-old that's already counting down the days till she can take her driver's test. So My goodness. Mm-hmm. My 11-year-old. Yeah, no, she's not 11. How old is Sissy? Six? I don't know. <laughs> not, that's not 11. That's I don't know how close. old she is. My six-year-old. <laughs> I think she's six. I don't know how old she is, but she walked in the other day, and she was stroking her hair, and she goes, Dad, can I have a phone? <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't get the phone. But everybody has a phone, Dad. Like, come on. I'm like, no, yeah. you're not having a phone. I'm, I'm not ready for teenage yeah. years, man. Yeah. I'm, you're not. I don't know if anybody's ready for it. Yeah. But no, I do want to give a shout out to Brian Edwards' daughters. They are all three of them are awesome. And uh, Kelsey leads worship at his church. Sweet voice of an angel, heart of gold. Absolutely. Actually, Marley leads worship. Sings amazing. Yes. She's such a sweetheart. And I do want to say about Sydney, your middle child that you mentioned a minute ago, she's incredibly talented. She can sing too. She'd rather be in the sound booth yeah. than she would yes. be on stage singing, but she's got an incredible voice. But that girl, Sydney, is hilarious. She is absolutely she is, one of the funniest people I have ever met. Listen, the other night we were we were having a late night conversation about Moses <laughs> and I was so sleepy. I couldn't stand it. And Sydney, she's daddy's doodle. And so we, I was saying, Sydney, I've got to go to bed. And she said, well, Daddy, 
you can go ahead and leave, but you know, I won't always be here and you won't always. <laughs> and so we're talking about Moses. And so we're walking through the story of Moses. And she said, daddy, she said, you know, Moses was only going up on the mountain for just a little while. And then he came back down off the mountain. And there was all those people naked dancing around that calf. And she said, Moses probably saw them. And she was like, what the? And I said, well, Sydney, when you study the Hebrew, that's actually what he said. He threw down the tablets and he said, what the? And, um, and so <laughs> she said, she said, no, daddy, it was Moses. He said, that sounds like Sydney. Brian, I'm real excited for you guys to come on vacation up here to uh, Tennessee and hang out I with Nate and them. Wait. I'm excited for the girls to come to meet them and to babysit all my kids so I can have a date night. Dude. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that's just in a couple of weeks, right? We're going to have you in the studio, Brian. Oh, yes, man. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. As long as you don't wear tacos. I will have them on. I'll buy him some dude shoes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'll take them. You're coming on Father's Day. Come on. I think so. How about this? To our wives that we know listen to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, that's Father's Day. Father's Day. My wife will listen to it in about six weeks. She she gets there yeah. eventually, but she doesn't, you know, she's not always right on this episode. <laughs> has, has anybody ever noticed the huge gap between Mother's Day and Father's Day? It's like Mother's Day is the biggest deal in the whole world. And then oh, it's Father's yeah. Day. It's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And you have a dad. Let's move right on. Did you know <laughs> statistics, 99.2% of statistics are made up on the spot. Somebody got an email. But um, statistically, back when, before cell phones, they said that Father's Day was the number one day for collect calls. That's hilarious. <laughs> Did you know that? I have heard that That's before. crazy. Yep. I found that on the internet. I believe it. Yeah. Everything on the internet is true. Said it's true. Abraham Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to take a moment real quick and thank our sponsor, J Radio. Uh, J Radio is the sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, and they have playlists and moods that you are looking for. If you're in a playful mood, they have playlists for that. If you're in a mood to just kick off your shoes and sit on the back porch, they got a list for that. They've got symphony and opera music. They got folk music. They got Brian's favorite bluegrass music. Oh, I love bluegrass. I knew you oh, did. the people would come from far away, dance all night to the break of day when the caller hollered, "Dosey dos," and your uncle Pen was ready to go. Yeah, sing it, man. That was good, right there. Yeah. I love Uncle Pen. You sound like you've you've done some calling in your life, Brian. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, because Daddy was a coon hunter, and you know we would go out with all his buddies, and it's hey, you know, you have to yell up the dogs and all that stuff. So that's always a lot of fun. Hey, so on this episode, we are jumping back into our Podcast Wars Episode 2. Hey, they called us out first, and so we're just responding uh, to uh, the call-out, and uh, this is from the Higher Grounds the righteous, Podcast. The Righteous Rebuke. The Righteous Rebuttal mm. Rebuke. Isn't oh, it interesting yeah. that the name of their podcast is the Higher Ground Podcast? <laughs> the they, they're taking the Higher Ground on us. Well, you know where they get the name of the podcast from the old song. Yeah. Lord, lift me up. And let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. So let's go ahead and jump into part two of They Called Us Out podcast for us. You ready? Let's go. Here we go. Good day. Welcome back to the Higher Grounds Podcast. Today we want to continue the uh, the subject matter we were dealing with last week. We were talking about 
the leaving of the IFB and those who are vacating and, and making an exodus from being independent, fundamental Baptists and poking fun at and trying to create a stir in the water about how that all of us are some kind of uh, weird wackos. And so I want to say at the beginning, these men are part of a loosely affiliated denomination called the IFB that got its start by leaving, leaving, vacating, vacating, and making an exodus, making an exodus from, from the Southern Baptist Convention. And when have we said that all independent Baptist preachers are wackos or weirdos? When have we ever said that? You know, we're weirdos and wackos. I mean, yes, so, absolutely. <laughs> but we've never said that. No. We want to today continue with Brother Michael and Brother Stephen talking about this subject and just dispel some of the things that they are saying, and we want to point light at uh, the directions that some of them have now chosen to go in in light of what the Scriptures say. So you stay tuned today to the Higher Grounds Podcast. Jradio.com. Welcome back to the Higher Grounds Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you coming by today. We're going to pick up where we left off on last week, dealing uh, with the subject matter of the leaving, the exodus from the IFB. And we're going to talk about that a little more and uh, deal with some of the things that, um, that I think are pertinent. Uh, to this particular subject matter. So you stay with us over the next uh, 30 minutes. We'll just have a good time together. You know, I, w- I was going to tell this. One of the things about, because I get asked a lot about how we're doing and adjusting. Um, to what? Uh, to where we live at now. Dip, whole, total different area. I don't care. Than Paisland. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but Brother Michael and I were talking about this. And uh, and then I started to tell this, I don't know, episode or two back. But one, one good thing, Christian, Brother Tony Finn is my pastor. And uh, many of you know him. And, uh, but also brother, <laughs> also brother Milton Taylor is a member of our church yeah. and he lives right across. I mean, I live just, I love brother Milton I'm Taylor. telling you, I live a hundred yards from brother Taylor. And, um, and I think we were talking, you were, I know as you were talking about A.W. Tozer mm-hmm. about listening to him pray and brother Taylor, you know, will call and he'll say, you got time to pray. And I'm like, you know, what kind of dummy would not have time to <laughs> stop? That's like man, one of the greatest. Boy. You're met him privileges oh, yeah. to be around. And uh, he was at our house on Saturday. He took uh, me and Seth for a ride in his roadster. And uh, so when he got done, he came in the house and, um, and he just got that nipped down on our couch and had a word of prayer. Yeah. I mean, he touched <laughs> it. He prayed. He prayed. And it was just, uh, it was great. It was a big highlight. So it's a joy yeah. to get to be around. You know, I know many of it in my pastor, but I didn't know many people may not know that Brother Taylor goes to our church. Brother Milton and, Taylor uh, is as fine a man as there ever yeah, was. Buddy. And when he prays, I don't really do a lot of praying. I just. No, sir. We I listen. just go to listening and just enjoy, you know, getting to be there. I'm Father God. That's right. I love it. <laughs> Amen. It. Amen. Hey, I do want to say one thing I agree with these guys on. Milton Taylor is a great man. Um, I believe Milton Taylor has a close walk with God. I've heard him pray personally, and and Milton Taylor is definitely connected to God without a doubt. So I, I couldn't agree with him more on that. Milton Taylor, that's definitely a two thumbs up. He's a great man. Man. I don't think there's any better on the subject of Romans 6, 7, and 8 than no, Milton sir. Taylor. And I, I don't think I really knew how great of a preacher was on prophecy. Yes, until sir. Yes, sir. you're talking to him, and then I've heard him bridge recently on it. And uh, yeah, true. Unbelievable yeah. student yep. uh, of books, yes, but sir. also the, the Word of God as yes, well. Sir. Just an unbelievable student. Amen. 
great, great man, um, and an avid fan of the drag race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows, I mean, he, he knows it. He, he's even got a drag car, yeah. or used to. I guess he's no, still. Yeah. He's, yeah. Amazing. Great. Amazing. Well, how are you, Dr. Dex? Doing good. Doing good. Excited about another day in studio. Another day. And a time to film, and uh, we're ready to get into it. Yeah. yeah. Brother it's, Brother Tornish did a great job last week, just kind of spearheading this. and and uh, so. Just I think I'm going to sit back, drink my coffee, and listen to him today. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah we are. I'm going to uh, be like a, you know, a spectator on the podcast. I'm going to sit back with you guys at the table, and, and I'm just going to do what y'all do, just listen. Yeah. And uh, So take it away, Dr. Give me take it away? Okay. Well, where were what, we last week? I mean, where, where, where did we end exactly? We had, been a, we had begun a podcast uh, talking about um, those who have, have saw the need in this hour to um, attempt to start, they say, calling attention to um a they they basically deem it as a problem group someone yeah. that needs to be um they need to be vacated and that group they're referring to is the independent fundamental baptist churches of mm-hmm. our country and um you know they have uh, as i said last week they've raised some some uh, issue in about three different categories one of them, which we covered last week, being that they considered independent, they cultish. considered us very cultish, you know, churches that fall in that umbrella, which is such a mischaracterization. Now, There's so many. Are they of the opinion that that all of us need to go? I think they are pretty much. I mean, and that's the thing that probably has 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 enlightened me to how little they know. Now, some of them supposedly are from families where dad was an evangelist and they travel. They and you know, but here's the thing about it. You know this well as I do. Most evangelists travel in circles. Yeah, yes. and they still shout out. <laughs> Why didn't he just say Brian Edwards? Yes. When you call my name. <laughs> hey, I had actually had people texting me and sending me messages when that happened, saying, "You just got called out. You That's just got awesome. called out." Everybody knew who he was talking. They about. do a lot of calling out on this episode and oh, yeah. never say any names. Yeah travel with just a very you know a certain segment mm-hmm. of churches right. yep. and so uh you got to be you got to be kind of close-minded in a lot of ways to say yeah we're going to this if, if i've been exposed to this let's broad brush the whole crowd yeah. they're all the same uh, that's a that's a very small-minded again we wouldn't do that with any other wouldn't we don't particularly like you know if you if you were to use that same brush stroke of logic with uh, with sports figures, yeah. you would yeah. see every one of them as perverts. Or every one of shopping. them is absolutely yeah. anything, 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 anything in life. Really. Absolutely, yeah. So I love those three things that they just said right there. What we're ignorant. <laughs> we we know a lot. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, guys. It's not yes. like we just woke up one morning and we're like, man, I don't like the IFB no more. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> Goodness. There's that Indiana voice. There it is. Maybe. Right there, don't you know? <laughs> so, uh, closed-minded. That's that's interesting. We're closed-minded. I've never lo- been called that before. Never. That's that's a I've new one. I've never been called Maybe that. liberal modernists, progressives. Sodomite, gutter sniped, but We've never been called, been called closed-minded. Yeah. And then he says that we're broad brushing the whole crowd, and he says we wouldn't do that, but they are doing that with us throughout both of these episodes. There are massive assumptions based on the fact that we left the IFB, so we must be like all the other liberal modernists. So they're broad brushing us from the beginning of the show to the end of the show, both Hold episodes. It. Liberal modernist? What, what about us is liberal modernist? Every week I open up God's Word, and preach through a passage of the scripture. What is liberal 
or modernist about that. You left the IFB, Brian. I'm a liberal that modernist. That automatically makes you a liberal modernist. I'm an LM. Own it. <laughs> LM. I love this next part. Let's keep going. And so last week we talked about the whole cults, you know, the charge about, right. you know, being cultish. And, uh, you know, we've, we've covered that. I don't want to rehash that, but I do want to, you know, take their time, be wise with it. Um, and we want to get into the last two reasons, mm-hmm. the main reasons that they are citing or, or sending out a call, uh, you know, which me personally, I, I'm kind of like, I'm sorry, I got to, I got to, I got to feel like Gamaliel felt whenever, you know, the calls of Christ started getting traction. I mean, right. even a Pharisee, he said, why, why get all up in the air about it? He said, if, if it's not of God, it'll come to naught. Right. You know? well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But if it is of God, then you don't want to be on the side of fighting against it. And yeah. that, you know, I think I would be hopefully wise enough to say, I think I'll stand where he's standing at right there. Mike, would you be willing to extend us this grace? Would you be willing to be like Gamaliel, like you just said? Would you be wise enough to be like Gamaliel and extend that grace to us? You're calling us unwise, close-minded, ignorant by holding our position. Could you not just say if it's of God, then it'll stand, and if it's not of God, then it won't stand? Or is this just a grace that should be extended to you because you are obviously the only perspective that you can imagine, and you are obviously on the higher ground, (laughs) pun intended, <laughs> uh, concerning this issue, but the second issue they they raise uh, is is something with a little bit of teeth to it that I want to discuss because I know how we feel about it. I know how uh, it's been handled before by others um, that uh, that we're affiliated with. But they talk about the abuse inside mm-hmm. the Independent Fundamental Baptist Churches oh, yeah. of America, and they cite it under basically four subheadings. There is sexual abuse, physical abuse. They talk about mental abuse, and then they even talk about spiritual abuse. Yeah. What would they define spiritual abuse? As? Well, let me hang on real soon. I'll get there just momentarily, but let me first go on camera, and I think I can speak for everybody at this table uh, pretty bluntly that we are 100% against and condemn uh, any kind of sexual abuse. Sure. We believe there are really are victims of sexual abuse. Absolutely. It's egregious. We believe it's right. bi- biblically disqualifying. Right. It should be handled firmly from the scriptures, and it's up to that local body if they want to remain in good standings, mm-hmm. we believe, with God to deal with those. Those things right. exponentially, okay? Yeah. Uh, feel the same way about physical abuse. If yeah. physical abuse is happening in any ministry, in any form or fashion, I don't care if you're independent Baptist or not, what the name of your church is, how many you run. We believe the long arm of the law as, mm-hmm. as, as well as the Amen. long arm of the church should come down upon you uh, and you should Amen. you should pay for your crimes. Mm-hmm. That's where we at the Higher Grounds Podcast stand. That is where, and I'll say this emphatically, the majority of independent fundamental Baptist pastors stand. I want to stop it right there and say that I applaud these guys for saying that. Um, Amen. I applaud these guys for taking that stand. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Andy. I don't know that I agree with you that the majority of IFB pastors stand there, but I do applaud you guys, and I believe you. I honestly believe that they are sincere in saying that. And I think that's one of the things that we have heard over and over and over again from folks uh, that pastor in the IFB good people that we do love is they say, hey, the things that make you sick about IFB are the same things that make us sick, and we're over that, and we want to call that stuff out. So good job, guys. 
Right. Sure. Now, will you right. find some that are weak and some that are have pledged their soul to an institution? Yeah, you will. Oh, yeah. But you'll find that in any form of fashion where people are. Some people yeah. are just so weak sure. in their personal disposition that they're not going to be willing to grab that bull by the horns. Absolutely. But that's not the independent Baptist that we are, and that's not those that we run with, right? Right. And so we do condemn that. Now, let's get back to the mental abuse that you're talking about, because when they talk about mental abuse— mm-hmm. A lot of what I'm hearing them talk about is they feel like that when preaching is firm, mm-hmm. painting one in a box of meaning, okay, here's what the, thus said the Lord, and whenever Joshua makes the statement, you know, choose you this day, mm-hmm. that there is a form of mental abuse taking place. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't like the fact that a preacher says, well, this is what the Word of God says, or these are principles that should be present in our lives. We could not agree with you more. I, I just want to say that. That's not mental abuse. Preaching God's word that preaches against sin, that's not mental or spiritual abuse. It's amazing how many things we agree with these guys on. And Brian, I know you preach God's word. You preach against sin. JC, I know you preach God's word. You preach against sin. I preach against sin. I call out sin as I come to it in Scripture, as I'm preaching through books of the Bible and there is nothing that I won't say if it's clear in God's Word. What I don't want to do is take it out of context right. and preach man's opinion. And what I don't want to do is scream and yell at people like an authoritarian so that when they listen to me, they're almost terrified in the seat or the pew. Yeah, thus saith the man of God is not equal to thus saith the Lord. And I also want to make sure that the sin that we are calling out is actual sin, not a man-made tradition or preference but sin. Amen. Well, if you say the words, I believe in a sermon more than you say the Bible yeah, says, come on. that's a real problem. Retweet it, that right there. Retweet that, Nate. <laughs> and if you're not if you're not willing to walk in this way, then you're not willing to pay the price to walk with God. Oh, yeah. They feel like it's mentally abusive, and they say that people are, are just being crippled, you know, because of the expectations and the weight that independent Baptist churches put on them. And, um, you know, I, it's, you know, yeah, there may be some ministers out there who, who step way outside the scriptures. Uh, you know, I've heard of, I've heard of horror cases where some pastors want to see the W2s of their people. Uh, I've heard of horror cases where some guys want to be able to come into one's home and walk, Man, I don't, I I don't know don't anybody. Know anybody I, they're just stories that. to me. I've never even validated their truth. But but I would just look at the man of that home and say, uh, sir, what is your problem? Because I would meet the pastor at the door and very Did lovingly Jack say, uh, no. Kyle's make a lady's husband move to the basement? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just saying. We've had many women email us telling us yeah. about pastors telling their husbands how their wives should dress and different things like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think well, they're downplaying this a lot. Yeah. Well, in that one clip, good old Bill Reeves told about that married young lady who asked her husband and then came to him and asked his permission to get her hair cut. I talked to a family a while back. They were... They were very resentful because when they were growing up, their dad was so under the thumb of the pastor that he wanted to play baseball for school. The dad said, we've got to go ask the pastor's permission. The pastor said, no, because if you play baseball, that'll be a competition for the church and you don't want to be unfaithful. So the family wouldn't even let their son participate in baseball. We can give story after story after story. This is not isolated. Nope. I was walking into Sammy Allen's camp meeting when I was a teenager, had a guy 
come up. He ran up to me. Everybody was all over the steps and the front porch and everywhere. And he pointed his finger in my face and he said, do you play sports on Sunday? And I said, well, sometimes I go out in my yard and, and shoot basketball. He grabbed me by the hand, jerked me down on the ground in front of everybody and started praying that God would forgive me for the sin of playing basketball on a Sunday. I would meet the pastor at the door and very lovingly say, uh, no. That's right. And uh, bye. Yeah. I mean, it'd be that simple. Exactly. That cut and dry. Right. Never I don't need that. You know, I'm going to give yeah. you my W-2. I give it to my accountant. You know, uh, that's between me and God. It's yeah. just that simple. Yeah, no, um, no, real, no real man of God would do that anyway. No real man of God would do that. And I no. understand there are some who stretch scriptures about touching out the Lord's anointed. And they have painted somewhat of a ministry where the man that stands behind the pulpit is unquestionable. Uh, well, that and that he, you know, no one could ever bring up an issue uh, about him. But we know that's not what the Bible teaches. Right. We know the Bible teaches that we that sin, if we're in the ministry, ought to, rebu- to be rebuked before all that other ministers may fear. We understand that also because of the fishbowl we live in, that, that God says that against that elder receive not accusation mm-hmm. except to be before two or three witnesses. Right. So in God's word, God holds us to a high accountability. Yeah. Right. Okay? And we've we're, dealt with that on the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're accountable to our God. We're accountable to the people we pastor. Mm-hmm. Right. We're accountable to each right. other, right? right. And then, but on the flip side, also, just everybody gets a little burn in their saddle, gets a little grit in their crawl, can't turn around and bring some yeah. silly accusation against right. the man of God, or the man will be beat up all the time for no reason. Right. Sure. So here's what we say, okay? If we never get any more validation from anybody about doing this podcast, that right there was enough for me to know that we're on the right track yeah. because uh, I've just never heard IFB pastors say the things these guys are saying, and it's not because I'm isolated yeah. and I only know a small <laughs> portion of the IFB world. It's because most IFB pastors don't talk like this. These guys are listening to our podcast, mm-hmm. and they are actually saying some things with some substance and calling out other guys within the IFB. And, dude, respect. I totally respect Mike Poindexter, I respect what you are saying. Thank you for saying these things. Please keep saying them. Pastors are accountable. And I do have a question, though. How many times have they used the title man of God? Why why do all independent Baptist pastors try to own this title man of God? That's, I don't know, that just really concerns me. Yeah. When that's the shingle that's hanging up outside of your shop, it's really hard to argue with the man of God. Yeah. Yes. It's true. Uh, have there been abuses in IFB churches? I guess. Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, there has been. Uh, sure. There's no doubt. I mean, you not, go to the, not among anybody we really no, know, but. Not yeah. really. I guess. <laughs> Andy corrects Michael there and says, yes, there have been. I guess. I mean, maybe. Come on. Come on. Okay. Keep going there. Possibly. By we really no, know, but. Not yeah. really. Yeah, there has been. But when you say it's in most, I say not even close. Right. You're a moron. You're moron. Moron. I'm going to have to sound the horn and say there's absolutely no. Now, if you look at the Twitter feeds and you mm-hmm. look at the websites that are, their, their whole purpose uh, Talking about existing, the Anon websites yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah. that are smacking in the teeth stupidity? The Anons. And yes. they're out there, and they're they're always featuring. I mean, they're dedicated to independent Baptist sermon clips and independent Baptist guys doing crazy stuff. It's IFB preacher clips. At fake sermon. Shout out. It's not Brian. <laughs> what I'd basically had to say would be this. You ever notice that there's usually only a handful of preachers they feature? Yeah, exactly. I, I would say less than 10. Oh, I would say for the most part they exist because... Now, here's my thing. False. When you feature those guys 
And then you turn around and say, yeah, this is how they are. This is the whole crowd. It's a systemic problem. They use that word loosely. It's a systemic problem. This is what I trial not. Yes. That's not who we are. That's and exactly may I, right. and I'll go on camera and even plead this today. I wonder if you had a clip of Jesus turning over the tables mm. or a clip of Moses breaking the tablets. Wow. If you could say, now this is who they are. Would that really be ministerially who they were? No. No. No, no. no those were very isolated incidents. Now, I'm not saying some of the guys they're, they're jumping on don't need jumping on. I'm right. not saying some of the guys that they're saying this is who these people are. That's fine. But let that ministry and that man have to stand on his own two feet. That's right. Don't throw us all in the same That's pot right. Right. because that is not generally how independent Baptist pastors, preachers, or churches right. actually are. Well, religious stupidity needs to be smacked in the mouth yes. and it needs to be sure. exposed. But I want to say this, as we've said before. If you're going to expose it, um, be enough of a man to put your name on it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you put your name on it, you're done. You don't yeah. Hear it. And here's what we know. If a church has been doctrinally you know, brought along and nurtured, it'll know that that church has the right mm-hmm. and the responsibility Amen. to deal with their stuff in-house. Sure. And they That's should. what church discipline's about. Right, right. And, uh, and nobody in that body is... is, uh, is, 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 is <laughs> Is is uh, is 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 in a position where they can't be dealt with. Mm-hmm. So we understand uh, how those things go. But also know this: of the of the supposed folks out there um, who, and I'm not talking about the sexual abuse anymore. Right. I'm not talking even about the physical abuse. I'm talking about this mental and spiritual abuse and those kinds of things that they say are reasons to abandon, our, you know, the independent mm-hmm. Baptist churches. For those uh, that that are out there that have supposedly have a story to tell, some of them are legit. Okay, but there are also no doubt many. Several mm-hmm. who the preacher preached something. I don't like it. You're now my enemy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make it my life's mission to fight you on that particular truth you stand uh, for. Is that not right? what Paul said? Have, I, have I not become your enemy because I've, have I, I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? I tell you the truth, right? So, with that being said, let, let me just real quickly before we move to the last particular area that they seem to be screaming about. They say that independent Baptist churches in the area of abuse have systemic problems. Okay, now. If you study, if you study, uh, you know the, the geographical uh, evidence or, or how many churches we have, say just in America, mm-hmm. somewhere between three thousand thirty five hundred. I believe last episode I tagged it at thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. but for numbers' sake, I would say let's just say use three thousand. Nice round number, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Can you, for these people that are screaming a systemic problem in the independent fundamental Baptist churches, can you name thirty pastors and churches in scandal? Mm. Yes, we could. Indeed. And here's the other thing. He brushed off spiritual and mental abuse as if that didn't exist. Hey, hey, listen, I want to say something to you, sir. When I sat in youth camp after youth camp and saw kids screamed at about hell and about everything else and scare tactics used and lights turned off and trumpets blown huh. and all this other stuff, you can think what you want to think. But that's mental and spiritual abuse. When women are put down from the pulpit and talked about as if they are lesser than, and anytime there's lust, it has to be the woman's fault mm. because, after all, look at how she's dressed. Right. That's abuse. When I sat through service after service after service, heard things preached on that was nowhere in the Bible, heard blanketing statements made like, you're the reason the world's going to hell. You're the reason America is walking away from God. You people that are out there and you're not shouting right now, 
and you're not praising the Lord, you're the reason the church is dying. That's mental abuse. Mm. That's abusing God's heritage. When you study shepherding, according to Psalm 23, when we shepherd like Jesus, we lead the sheep by still waters. We seek to find ways to restore their souls. We want them to lie down in green pastures. We want, I mean, when we follow that as a model, when we shepherd like Jesus, we love the sheep. We don't beat the sheep. Yeah. You know, I just have real issue with this blowing that off as if it doesn't exist because we have a lot of stories that say the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual abuse is real. Okay. Wow. If you can, you have named 1% of who we are. Right. Hang on a second now. Okay. Say it again. If you can name 30 pastors and churches in scandal, abuse scandal, whether it be sexual, physical, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. you have successfully named that we have a 1% issue among independent <laughs> fundamental Baptist churches. Now, to get to 5%, you now have to name 150 pastors or independent Baptist churches in scandal. Wow. We can do that also. And even at 5%, it's not systemic. First of all, we've never used the word systemic on mm -hmm. this podcast, have we? Any of you no, guys? It's a nice, no, it's a nice word. It's a I nice like word. It. I believe he's quoting Eric Skorzynski off of Preacher Boys. Uh, obviously, he's been listening. They've been listening to that as well. But I don't believe we've ever used that word. So undoubtedly, they're lumping us in the same bowl of soup with the other ex-fundies. So they said they wouldn't broad brush, but there they are doing it again. Wank, but wank, wank. Preacher Boy's stop <laughs> said this week on social media that if you take the percentage, and he's about to say something, I believe, about the Catholic Church, if you take the percentage of abuse cases in the Catholic Church versus the number of Catholic churches and priests that there are, the Catholic Church is at 4%. Wow. With all their cases, because there's way more Catholic yeah. churches, parishes, and priests, and and all that than there are in the IFB, and I think the case can be made that way more than 150, which would be five percent in the IFB. I think it's probably closer to 30 sure. percent if I had to stick my neck out there. But if it is five percent, very, very, very low estimate, then they're more than the Catholic Church. So I, I think that would make the case that it is systemic. And now we have actually used that word on our podcast. Yes, and there are more Catholics in Mexico than there are independent Baptists in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, buddy. And so what we've got here is you've got guys blowing a horn for no reason at all. Not that you shouldn't point out the egregiousness of some of the areas. Right. Of the oh, yeah. Fine. Let's deal with it. We'll be on your side. We'll be yeah. blowing the horn with you. Mm -hmm. but, the but the problem, the, the problem is not systemic. No. Here's the problem, okay? We now have a major problem in our educational system in America mm -hmm. with educators committing impropriety with uh -huh. students. Where is the bannering call to shut down the educational system? Right, right. Listen, not only that, but you have the same thing in corporate America. Absolutely. I mean, all the time. Just I mean, stealing money, you know, uh, you know, uh, insider trading, all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Where is the call from these great crusaders of truth mm -hmm. to shut down corporate America? It doesn't exist, okay? And, and look, I understand, the, I understand the call to shut down the Catholic Church. It's a political machine from the top down. Yeah, buddy. It is absolutely infiltrated mm -hmm. with decades and decades. Absolutely. And we're not talking about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. We're talking about parishes around the country. We're talking about them having to pay Tens hush money. Tens of thousands Tens of, of thousands. Now, that, oh, absolutely. is systemic. a systemic problem, yes, all right? Sir. With that being said, and, and, and we've we'll got to move along quickly here, but I think about this, okay? And they say, oh, we should leave, you should leave. 
leave. You should leave. You should leave. Okay. Well, let's just say, let's just give you an illustration. Let's just say, Brother Stephen, I love to eat at a certain chain restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we walk into a certain chain restaurant. And that restaurant we see on the wall has a D rating. Mm-hmm. Should I never go to that chain restaurant again? Mm-hmm. Or should I just go to the next town over and walk into that same chain restaurant where they've got an A rating oh, and yeah. eat there? Right. That's where our churches are. Independent Baptist churches are the same. That's right. We're independent Baptists. That's going to tell you mostly what we believe doctrinally. Yes, sir. You may have bad leadership in a church, which gives it a D rating. Mm-hmm. Just like you might have bad management in a restaurant that gives it a D rating. But I'm not going over to something just called restaurant, or I'm not never eating at my favorite. Amen. I'm going to the one with the A rating. Yeah, good, going Mike. down the road where they got good management, going down Amen. the road where they got good leadership, yes, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to walk with God, get fed from God's Word, and serve with that local body of independent Baptist believers Great. just like we are. Okay? Anybody got anything to say before we move to the last one? No, I, I just believe you're correct. Uh, I mean, the, the entire... The, the entire um, uh, argument seems to me to be uh, undefendable in right. a logical debate. He said it seems undefendable in a logical debate. Okay, the entire argument that we left the IFB for certain reasons is undefendable. When the IFB left a movement and a denomination themselves, we said that last podcast, we said this podcast, we'll say it some more because they keep coming back to this point like it's a great logical argument. The IFB exists because they left the Southern Baptist Convention and they're saying we are undefendable. And notice, too, their argument is with the restaurant illustration. It's if you're in one bad independent Baptist church, by all means, make sure you go to another independent Baptist <laughs> right. church, even if that means driving to the next town. I mean, whatever you do, don't get out of that independent Baptist church. And then he couples with that the body of Christ yep. as if only the independent Baptist yep. are the body of Christ. I mean, you, you get away from the independent Baptist church. You're out of the body of Christ, buddy. And. That's not what they did. They left the Southern Baptist movement. They didn't go down the road to another good Southern Baptist church. So they, they did not do what they're telling other people to do. Right. I wonder what the IFB part of heaven is going to look like. I, I I did hear about that, if you want to know. Oh, please, please enlighten us. Yeah, this, this guy died, and he went to heaven, and Peter was going to give him a tour. And so they were walking down the street, and they came to this little valley, and, and he said— who are those people down there in this little valley? And he said, although those are the Methodists, we just keep them to themselves. And then they walked a little further and another little valley and a group of people. He said, Oh, who's that? And he said, Oh, that's the Presbyterians. And we just keep them in the valley to themselves. And they did that over and over again. And then finally they walked for miles and miles and miles and miles up hills and down hills. And they came to this massive valley and there are these people down there. He said, who's that? He said, shh, that's the independent Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> yeah, man, that's awesome. There it is. Like it, lump it. <laughs> to me, to be uh, undefendable in right. a logical debate. It is. Absolutely. It is. It is. It don't make sense nowhere else. No. Yeah. So, But anyway, so that's uh, that was number two. Number three, lastly here, okay. this will be the last one. We'll try to wrap the podcast up. The last area that they really use as a bantering mm-hmm. call is the subject of legalism. Yeah, uh, of course we're we're getting so used to hearing that word, and we understand it's so misdefined. And, and I want to go on record and say this: I've been an independent Baptist now for mm-hmm. 21 years, 
I have never in my 21 years heard an independent Baptist preacher preach a legalistic sermon. And here's why. I've never heard one say that in order to be saved, you trust Christ and then you do such and so. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you don't do such and so, you're not saved. Now, maybe you've heard one or been in, you know, I've if never. you have, I want to hear the clip. Yeah. I mean, let's call him out. Let's let's put his name out. That's we can right. do it on social media. Let's do it. But I'm afraid that that's not what you're hearing. No. Nope. Nope. What they're saying is New this, definition. is that if you preach after you get saved, that you should live by the book. Mm-hmm. You should have biblical standards, principles right. that rule your life. Then right. all of a sudden, you are the legalist. Now, here's where they cross the line. They are saying, after they've redefined legalism. Right, and they have. And they have. And they've said all these independent Baptists that preach these things are under that umbrella. Then they've started to flirt with getting on the edge of saying they're preaching another gospel. Mm-hmm. The term legalism is not in the Bible. He just said that we redefine legalism. It's not in the Bible. It appears to have had a theological origin in the 17th century when Edward Fisher used it to designate one that bringeth the law into a case of justification. So there he's talking about what Michael is talking about here, that preaching a legalistic sermon in one sense would mean that you preach that you have to do good works to get saved. But while this word is not found in Scripture, the idea of it is found in both of the the Old and the New Testaments, where Jesus and Paul also dealt with legalism that attempted to maintain a relationship with God by exceeding scriptural commands and prohibitions. So these are extra-biblical man-made rules, or they're Old Testament rules taken out of context, like clothes, hair, music, being better than others, versions of the Bible, styles of preaching, emotionalism, the old-time way, all these different things. So we're not redefining legalism. The word legalism is not in Scripture. So they agree that legalism in one sense is working for your salvation. But if you read Scripture, it's not such a stretch to see that we're calling the term legalism trying to add the burden of the law on top of people who are already saved. Mm. Very clearly laid out in Scripture. Then they've started to flirt with getting on the edge of saying they're preaching another gospel. Mm -hmm. Now let me caution you. i got an issue with that. Let me caution you right here. You are then telling everybody else to run from this group of people Mm -hmm. because the gospel they preach is illegitimate and you can't get saved there. Wow. That's heresy. Okay, so Paul in Galatians is saying that they are teaching another gospel. In verse 6, Galatians 1 verse 6, to the churches of Galatia, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's not saying this because they are preaching that you have to be saved by keeping the law, but because they are preaching now that you are saved by grace, you keep the law to maintain your standing with God. They're preaching a legalism that says that, yes, you're in the family of God. Obviously, he's writing this to the churches of Galatia, but they're saying now that you're in the family of God, you've got to be circumcised. The keeping of the days, the dietary laws, all these different things. And so, I don't see why these guys are saying that this is such heresy. And I loved how he went into his man of God voice right there where he 
hold on one second. Let me caution you. Let me caution you right here. And he goes on to say in just a minute, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. No, I'm quoting scripture and using the very argument that Paul uses in Galatians. Well, you know, the idea of another gospel, I'll I'll be honest, I've said that. And I think he likely heard me say that on one of the podcasts. I believe the blending of the Old and New Testament in the way that it is preached in the majority of independent Baptist churches is another gospel. I I believe that. Uh, When we preach um, an Old Testament bent on the New Testament work of Jesus Christ so that we preach salvation by grace, but then there's this idea of sanctification by works, and the two are blended together in such a way that it's almost virtually indistinguishable. I think there are a lot of independent Baptists that do preach another gospel because Paul said, you know, I'm not going to preach anything other than the cross of Christ. And when you preach message after message after message, and there's no clear gospel presentation, and you preach, you know, marriage sermons, and your application is not marriage in light of the gospel. When you preach holiness, and it's not holiness in light of the gospel. When you preach any other, you know, any biblical doctrine, and it's not in light of the gospel, then you are indeed preaching another gospel than the one that was delivered to Paul. And Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to believers, saying that you've turned to a different gospel. Not that there's really any other gospel, but you're distorting the gospel of Christ. Yes, sir. And if you are personally, I'm just going to say this, if you are so uh, twisted and warped in your mind that that's what you've had to construct as an argument against these people you're against, you've got more problems than we can talk about in the podcast. Isn't that bordering on blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Well, I mean, here's the thing about it. All those people wow. that have independent bad reaching for Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost was attributing to Satan the work of Jesus. Mm. So he's saying we're blast we're we're close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost. We're close to saying Jesus' work is actually Satan's work. I, I don't think we're anywhere close to that. I never want to be anywhere close to that. And by the way, these men are acting as if we've called them out personally. I've never even heard them preach. This is not a personal call out on them, and yet they're taking it so personally. Yeah, all those people that the independent Baptists have been mm-hmm. reaching for decades now. Right. You're telling me all those right. people are illegitimate in their in- conversion, including wow. some of your moms and dads. Oh, not uh-huh. only your moms and dads, but I've listened to them sit there and tell how they got saved. Some most that's of them because of the right. ministry yes. of an independent right. Baptist church that's and pastor. Right. And most of them time they'll blast it on a podcast, turn around and apologize later, saying I'm not totally against it. I've got help there. Well, what are you then besides confused? Mm-hmm. That's right. Michael said exactly this about the Southern Baptist Church where he was saved. Yep. You guys remember that at the beginning of last episode? Yeah. He, he was thankful that he got helped there, but he left. He yep. says he doesn't, they're not the enemies and he doesn't want to destroy them. I think about how some of these guys preach about Bible versions. Many IFB pastors, hilariously enough, were saved through the preaching of the NIV or another version, and then turn around and preach against it. And most of them will honestly say, yeah, you can be saved through a perversion, which blows my mind. His whole argument, he he just got through saying this exact same thing about the Southern Baptist Church. You see what I'm saying? A double-minded man. is unstable in all of his ways. Never get saved in, good enough to start your ministry in, good enough to be raised in, but now all of a sudden not good enough for you. Okay. (laughs) Brian? 
Did anybody else think that that was a shout out directly to you? Yeah. It's good enough for you to be saved in, good enough to be raised in, good enough for you to start your ministry in, but it's not good enough for you. Yeah, I think that is a shout out to me. Um, and <laughs> it was it's never been an issue about the Independent Baptist Church not being good enough for me. I've never said that. You know, I don't, I, I'm not good. Scripture would say there's none good, not even one. And so that would include me. I don't think I'm too good for the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. I just think I never heard true biblical preaching in the Independent Fundamental Church. I never understood grace and mercy. I never understood discipleship. I never experienced any discipleship. I mean, there's so many different reasons. I, I could even name reasons regarding who I used to be in light of being an independent Baptist. Um, I never really came to understand holiness in the independent Baptist church because, you know, think about this guys, this, this is frightening. I used to go preach revivals and I knew that wearing a suit was important. I knew that carrying a KJV was important. At one point in time, I even thought driving a Lincoln Continental was important. <laughs> it, it is. There were so many things that I thought was important. Do you know not one pastor ever asked me, have you fasted and prayed over this meeting? Yeah. Have you studied? Are you bringing fresh bread? What's your walk with God like? Mm. What did you watch in the hotel room last night Yeah. before service today? You know, I never got asked any of those questions. What I found in the Independent Fundamental Church it was very superficial. Mm. And when I talked to guys behind the scenes, no one was honest about their struggles. I could give detailed reasons why I left fundamentalism. Thank God I did. I've never regretted it for a moment. I wouldn't go back for anything in the world. I hope thousands and thousands of other people follow, but I can promise you not one of the reasons has anything to do with me ever thinking, hey, I'm too good. Yeah, and when I left the IFB world, it was an intentional decision because I realized that, yes, I could stay around and fight for reform. Yeah. But come on now, 27, 28 years of history with the IFB, that wasn't even considered. Yeah. Because for me, considering staying in a denomination that was so dogmatic on where they stood on extra-biblical issues— that's not something I want to fight for. I hope other people do. I hope other influential men, I hope these three men have a big impact on trying to bring some reform sure. in the IFB. But for me, thinking about that being a legitimate calling on my life, that was laughable. Yeah. No, absolutely not. There, There's so many other groups out there that are truly following God and walking in liberty and freedom that the IFB wouldn't even consider Christian. That, yeah, it, it wasn't even a difficult decision to leave. Exactly. Here's the thing about it that is ironic to me. Boy, they love that book of Galatians. You know, that's that book where Paul just punches sure legalism in the teeth. Yeah. I'll agree with you wholeheartedly, okay? But I'll say this right here. For the most part, if you don't know the truth about it, the ones I've, 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 I've researched, listened to, there is a there is a movement today with people who are uh, in a battle with clothing. Mm -hmm. they're, they're terrified of clothes. And anybody that tries to preach, you know, it's a good idea to wear some. <laughs> and it's a good idea to, you know, to yeah. be distinctive about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it just tears their nerves yes. up. All that. But the same man that addressed that issue at Galatia is the same one that told Timothy that it was a 
modesty was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. So evidently, modesty has nothing to do with legalism, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they're wrong in their position doctrinally about it. They are wrong. Yeah, they are exactly very wrong right. about it. Okay. Now, you know, I believe right there what he is saying that, that men and women they should dress modestly. I do too. Yeah, modest is Amen. the hottest. <laughs> I mean, come on. And my wife actually used to wear that T-shirt. That's modest awesome. is the hottest. Every believer, I mean, we're filled with the Spirit. We hold a different opinion of what modest is. Sure. And I think this is where you've got to understand that, you know, something that you struggle with maybe is not what I struggle with, or your conviction is not my conviction. And where legalism tends to come in is if I'm pushing my opinion and preference on you and you're not holding on to that— you're not sinning, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just you're not holding to my standard. And what we find a lot of times is, well, no, they're in sin. Well, you know, this week I had a great Jesus conversation with a Muslim guy. And this Muslim guy was telling me that the rule for his wife, that modesty by their definition, is that she has to wear full hijab. She has to wear face covering, only her eyes showing. She wears, you know, the big black garment that covers her entire body. That's their definition of modesty. Why aren't the fundamentalists doing that? Let's just go all the way with modesty. Because I got news for you. A lot of pastors and evangelist wives in the fundamentalist movement and a lot of Southern gospel groups, those women look pretty doggone made up to me. Come on. And and those dresses weren't altogether loose. And here's the other thing. So I had this great Jesus conversation with this Muslim. He said, that's modesty. By the way, then he said, you know, she can dress in modest if she wants to, but then that'll be her going to hell. So wow. that was his that was his definition. Well, then I love Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I love to go to Sight and Sound Theater. <laughs> the, what about the Amish definition of modesty? Yeah, we don't we don't Shout have buttons out. on our clothes. We wear the head covering. We you know they have all these different rules that they abide by. You only wear earth tone colors. Why is that definition of modesty not right? Why is it okay? to wear fairly form-fitting dresses and high heels with pantyhose, lots of makeup. When did that become modesty? Or when did the ever-popular jean skirt in the IFB movement become modesty? Who set that definition? I didn't read that in the Bible. They did. So if you want to go all the way with modesty, hey, how about this? Only show your wife's eyes. But by the way, even then, that's going to be a problem because Job said I had to make a covenant with my eyes that I wouldn't lust after a woman. And they were out there in the desert sands. So I think the modesty issue, we really should be talking about a man's lust issue. Yeah. Yeah. And we all three would agree. We all three have daughters and we all three have wives and we all believe in modesty. Yeah. But we're not going to allow you, Mr. Preacher Man, from four states away to define for my wife and my daughters what modest is. I'm right. sorry. Hey, you know what's really cool? My 17-year-old daughter, by the way, it's so hard to say that. I still want to say my five-year-old. But my 17-year-old daughter came in yesterday, and she said, Hey, Daddy, do you think this dress is too short? And I said, No, sweetheart, I think it's fine. I said, but why did you ask me? She said, because your opinion really matters. Wow. Wow. I'll take that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm just trying to get mine to put clothes on now. <laughs> I'm running all up and down the street. I'm like, girls, oh, I'm not looking forward to teenage years. <laughs> and just to define, they're very, very, very young. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. They are. They're under 10. I don't know how old they are, but they're under 10 years old. <laughs> so they're, in fact, they're oh, under man. six years old. They don't run around yeah. next. 
Next. All right. about it, okay? Now, with that being said, let, let's just have a little fun. You want have a little fun? Sure. Absolutely. Let's, let's take the Bible and have a little fun. You know what I hear there? And, and Michael, I'm sorry if this is not really representing what you're trying to say well, but what I hear you saying there is, hey, let's straighten out these little ignorant compromisers once and for all. You want to have a little fun? I, I hear arrogance. You hear arrogance in yep. their voice that he's just like, oh. oh, we're right. We have the high ground, and we're going to speak down. There, there's so much condescension in what they're saying through both of these episodes that they're not willing to have an honest conversation. They're just assuming that we're totally outside of the faith. Well, I actually like the fact that he says, let's take the Bible and have a little fun. I didn't know a fundamentalist could do that. Well, <laughs> They're putting the fun in fundamentalists Absolutely. right now. <laughs> and, and it's interesting after one and a half episodes, when at the very beginning of the first episode, he said we were going to go to the Bible and have a well-thought-out uh, argument, and here we are just getting to it. 22 it, minutes into the it, second episode. And it's, it's, you'll see it's not really much of a biblical argument. Here it is. They say any extracurricular biblical principle that a man preaches or talks about paints him in the shadow of basically being a heretic mm -hmm. and misleading people in the Bible. Okay, But if I remember correctly in the Word of God, the Apostle Paul, when he was at Corinth, if my memory serves me correctly, was dealing with an issue where a young convert had a problem eating meat. Right. That was bought at the market. That's right. That was previously offered in an right. out of worship mm -hmm. service. That's right. Okay? And Paul made this statement. This is the same man that said, be ye followers of me to the same people as I'm of Christ. Mm -hmm. He made this statement. He said, if meat make the world to offend, I will eat, no, eat meat no meat while the world stands. That's right. Now let's stop right here. We understand that there was no dietary law in place. Mm -hmm. Right. Yet Paul said because he was a mature Christian, he understood that his liberty in That's Christ right. should never be a stumbling block to other That's believers. Exactly right. He said, I will impose upon myself a principle of living right. that will help the cause of Christ and help those young believers rather than just me exercise my right. liberty. And sure. he, he was saying in that text, even though this principle may not be necessary, yeah. it is necessary for the for the health of the entire body, mm -hmm. I'm not to be concerned with myself. Yes. I'm to be living my life for others. That's exactly right. Now, why are we not blowing the horn on Paul? Why yeah. are they not blowing the horn on Paul? Yeah. Because when they say, yeah, yeah he's a legalist. Wait. He's a legalist. Yeah. Those principles, you boys in the IFB, y'all promote, y'all ain't got Bible for them. Did Paul have any Bible for, 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 for imposing dietary laws on himself? <laughs> Absolutely not. He didn't have any Bible for that. That is interesting to me. So does this give every Christian license to demand that every other believer live exactly like they do? Because these guys obviously aren't living like the Amish right. are living or other more conservative denominations which are out there. Holiness people, the bun on the head. No IFB women don't have to have the bun on the head. So they're not doing this. He's going to go on and make the point that he does this. But that's not what Paul is saying. Yes, we should be careful and... We should try to not cause other believers to stumble, but this is not cause for pastors to demand that all other pastors walk away from certain music restrictions or clothing restrictions because that's what they believe. What does Paul say in Galatians 5.1? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Yeah. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I thought it was interesting in Romans chapter 14 where Paul talks about this issue he says, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. So Brian, help me out with this. Who is the weak one here? 
The one with the higher standards. Absolutely. The one with the lower standards is the strong one. So that's interesting. And he goes on, he says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So he he goes on and talks about why do you pass judgment on your brother? Uh, Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Here's what I'm saying. We as non-denominational pastors or J.C. Southern Baptist pastor, Brian is affiliated with the Southern Baptist. I'm non-denominational. We are not running around saying that the IFB standards are wrong for those who adopt them. I've never said that. Brian's never said that. JC, you've never said that. Mm -mm. We just don't want you enforcing your interpretation of unclear issues on us. You, on the other hand, and Michael, I'm talking to you here respectfully. You are running around yelling and screaming that we are worldly and fleshly and not holy and spiritually immature if we're even in the family of God because we like a different type of music, because we have wives who wear pants or use different versions of the Bible. Church ain't what it used to be. You can see these modern day contemporary church with the rock and roll music and their hippie preachers. Right? And the way they appeal to modern-day society is, uh, you know, this ain't your grandma's church. Think about reading this billboard on the side of 74. It says, Lighthouse Baptist Church. This is your grandma's church. Same Bible, same music, same testifying, same shouting, same preaching. This is your grandma's church. Because your grandma got saved. Amen. This crowd over here, they got something. I don't know what it is. It's unidentifiable even under a microscope. But I'm telling you, I want to get back to grandma's religion. It's modern-day stuff. Ain't got no power. Ain't got no fire. Ain't nothing but a bunch of wildfire. What they do, have a bunch of flesh. You can have it. I wouldn't give you two hooks and a hailstorm for it. it, it listen, it, we're living in a day and hour where you can't tell. You see a church youth group out at a, at a function in a secular environment, you can't tell whether they're Christians or not. They look like them, talk like them, act like them. Amen. Good preaching, Brother Mike. I'm telling you, there ought to be a difference in a Christian than there is in, a, in somebody who's lost. And I could go on and on. With that, I've never heard a non-IFB preacher preach a sermon on why the IFB should let their women wear pants or should use CCM songs in their choir music or use a better version of the Bible. No, it's a personal preference issue. We have enough problems without taking credit for the IFB's problems. I, I just say that for myself. IFB pastors are the ones who are trying to impose their standards on non-IFB people. I don't think I have ever seen that done the other way around. I believe standards are good. I believe we should have standards. I just don't believe that I'm the Holy Spirit and I get to enforce my standards on your family. But it was a principle that he applied to the life that was good for God's people. Now, I want to end it on this note Mm -hmm. right here. I know we're running out of time. So I'm listening to this podcast, right? And it was around a Christmas time podcast. Shout out. uh, Two of the, it was a three host panel like ours. And two of those hosts had went in together and bought one of the other hosts who evidently was not ashamed of this. He had made it known. He He was a fan of Garth Brooks. 
the country musician. And they had bought him a box set of Garth CDs, evidently, for Christmas. And they were all hooping and hollering like that was a good thing. And I know they pastor. Their people are listening to this. And these are former independent Baptist former guys. Former independent Baptist guys, okay? And, uh, and then that he turns around and says, oh, it gets better than that. My wife bought us tickets to see Garth in concert. Now, here's where I'm standing. You want, you're looking at a guy that before he got saved was a huge Garth fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was, it loved Garth Brooks' music. I get saved, and the Lord starts dealing with me about getting it out of my life because of the effect or impact it's going to have. It's going, it wouldn't take my salvation, but it sure would produce carnality. Mm-hmm. And you didn't hear a Garth Brooks message. I never heard a Garth Brooks message, but here's what I knew. I knew that friends in low places wasn't talking about a prayer partner. Yeah. Them. I, right. I knew that the thunder rolls wasn't talking about nothing but a bunch of infidelity uh-huh. in a marriage relationship and a man kills his wife over it. I knew that give me two pina coladas wasn't a drink you took at communion. Uh-huh. Right. So what right. I'm saying is this right here. What that poor brother needs in his life is a little legalism. Yeah. 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 Here, here's what I've learned about this. I love Garth. I, I've always loved Garth Brooks' music. I mean, you know, I put Garth Brooks' music on a cathedral's tape and Dad found out and threw it out the window. You know, I mean, we've talked about that before. It, yeah. I don't agree with everything that's in the the songs. Just like my kids are watching Disney, you know, and I mean, Disney's talking about, you know, follow your heart, believe in yourself above everything else. You know, we have an opportunity. My kids still watch Disney Channel. We have an opportunity to have conversations about that. I mean, we'll be watching, you know, uh, National Geographic and evolution comes up. That It's not that we don't watch National Geographic. We just talk about Big Bang versus creation. I mean, it gives opportunity to do that. I heard a pastor this week talk about if you watch ESPN, then then you are pro-homosexual because they gave Bruce Jenner an award. And I personally know that this pastor's sons keep ESPN in business, and I've actually been in a ESPN fantasy football league with his sons, which is hilarious. But uh, inside track, but hey, we just know a small corner of the IFB world, right? Yeah, just Uh, a little bit. We don't get out very much. And two, you better not watch Andy Griffith because... Andy smoked, and he kind of went from woman to woman. And yeah, sometimes, he you know, did. they were really younger. And then Barney was an adult man spending a lot of time alone over at Thelma Lou's house, and she was an adult woman. And then there's some other themes in the Andy Griffith show there that we might could bring out too. I mean, if we just want to get nitpicking about it, then throw away Andy, and, and then please don't tell me I have to throw out the movie Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> I want to say on this topic that people are made in the image of God. People bear God's image, and lost people are capable of great achievements. They're capable of great architecture, great art, great music. They can be great military leaders, great business leaders. I can listen to Garth and not celebrate and agree with everything he sings about. Even the the two worst songs that he just mentioned, The Thunder Rolls and Papa Love Mama. Yeah. Both of those songs make a really good point that adultery destroys. Yeah. I mean, think about the thunder rolls. The, the guy comes home with the smell of perfume on his collar to a wife that's been worried about him, praying for him, waiting up for him. That song drives the point home that that's a really bad thing. Yeah. Papa love mama. I mean, he drives his 18-wheeler through the little motel and kills the woman and her boyfriend when she's cheating on him that drives the point home we'll go with the song that they know sin will take you further than you want to go it'll cost you more than you want to pay it'll leave you where you don't want to stay yeah and we can listen to music not agreeing with every lyric in the song just knowing that people are image bearers of god and they can make incredible music I don't agree with every lyric in they're holding up the ladder that I'm climbing on. And how about the ever popular I'll walk 
them golden stairs when mm. I die. Or, or I'm winging my way back home. Yeah, or there's a new name written down in glory. Or give and, me that old-time uh, religion. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah, he needs enough legalism yeah. to get that out of his life. Not only that, but not That's to right. promote it in front of unbelievers That's and right. or especially young converts That's right. who it'll hurt. Yes, That's right. Nate, I don't know if you go down to Riverbend in Chattanooga, big concerts that we have here. It's like a week-long concert. Everybody and their brother was there. Brian's favorite Boys to Men was there a couple years ago. Like, I mean, there's a (laughs) lot of incredible music down there. And I'll run into people that are like, why are you here? And when I think about this, I could listen to this in the privacy of my own home in my basement. I think something that we want to do in, in certain ways is engage our culture to where it's not this is all we're against and we're preaching against this while we're still listening to it privately. Cause how many of these pastors listen to Garth Brooks when they jump into the car? They're, they're not always listening to Lester Roloff. I guarantee you they got some music on and that that's just a, a guess. But what I, what I think we are called to do is to engage our culture. And I, I think you could go out on a limb and Brian, you know, kind of speak into this. I mean, Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might reach some. Yeah. And I think engaging our culture is what we are called to do as pastors. And that's not just if they can, come to our building and they sit in our services and they dress like we want them to dress, we have to go. We're called to live sent, to be on mission. And that's everywhere, at work, at the grocery store, at the Garth Brooks concert. The church is not about a building. The church is us going. And if we're going out, we're engaging our culture. Yeah. And the three of us, we have different viewpoints on stuff. Yeah. Your church may start out with a secular song. We've never done that. Mm-hmm. We probably won't do that. I don't think you're evil. I don't preach sermons yeah. against you. We just have some different preferences. I personally enjoy many different genres of music and at times in my life, especially early on in my Christian life, I laid down certain types of music. I've even thrown certain CDs out of my window yeah. and littered, which was a sin also. But <laughs> I did it because I knew it was consuming most of my time and it was taking me away from God's word. And personally, where I'm at right now on this, I enjoy different types of music. I, I, I think they're gifts of God. And I'm amazed at some of the talent of people who don't hold the same beliefs that I do. But my steady diet is God's word, gospel-centered music. And I try to encounter culture and engage it through a gospel lens. I mean, let's be honest here. I'm not listening to Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. I hate that kind of junk. But I love me some Willie Nelson, some Johnny Cash, and I wish that they that I wish that Willie Nelson would believe the gospel. And I appreciate his gifts while not necessarily agreeing with his lifestyle. Hey Nathan, you said you love talent. I promise you one thing, that'll never drive anybody to Garth Brooks. <laughs> But in all seriousness, we go up to Philadelphia and do homeless ministry on the street. We're out to the wee hours of the morning. While we're talking to people, they're shooting up with drugs. There's different music being played. There's filthy language being used. It doesn't mean that I condone or agree with any of that, but I have to go to where they are. And I think sometimes fundamentalists become such an island that we're so disengaged from the culture that we have no idea how to reach the culture. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just know this. I know what the Word of God says. And you, can go, you don't have to look no farther than John, 1 John chapter 2, where he talks about that he that saith he know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Right. He also goes on in chapter 5 of the same of the same book and talks about that keeping the commandments of God are not grievous That's to a believer. Right. I can just say That's this. Right. God's Word hadn't been a weight or a burden to me. No, sir. And I'm glad I found no. men in a movement, Amen. if you want to call it that, Amen. that would preach it because it sure has been a blessing to help my life. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I'll, I'll be very frank with you. Everything that you said, I wholeheartedly agree with. And the whole issue boils down to this. I simply do not want to be a separated Christian. I want to go to heaven, but I do not want to live a holy, sanctified lifestyle. Yeah. I think right there the real issue for these guys is they care more about the external rules and how they appear to outsiders, to the brethren, than they do about the heart. Everything comes back to man-made standards. That's why we're doing this whole podcast, because it comes back to man-made ideology, man-made rules, the things that we can never attain because it's their standard. Yeah. You characterize us as just wanting to feed and pamper the flesh because we listen to certain types of music or certain types of clothes and many other external issues. I want to make the point here that these are all little league flesh issues. If you really want to talk about what the flesh likes, let's talk about pride. Let's talk about self-righteousness, elitism, power. These are big league sins and they are fed by Hey, we are the only ones who have the right version. We're the only ones who wear the right clothes. We're the only ones who sing the right songs, etc., etc., etc. And you can feed the flesh while you're holding a King James Version, wearing a suit, preaching about all those wicked modern Christians who left the old time way as much as you can while you're sitting at a bar, drinking Jack Daniels, listening to Garth Brooks on the jukebox, flirting with a cocktail waitress in a Dolly Parton wig. Shout out to Confederate Railroad from Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, Daniel, there you go. So the flesh, they want to talk about the flesh and being carnal. That's not just external issues. That's the heart. The flesh loves power and pride, and you can do that while you're standing in a pulpit. How about what Jesus said in Matthew 15? It's not what goes in. Mm. It's what comes out. Hmm. The real issues are from our hearts. The Bible says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, all of these other things that come from our hearts. And by the way, there was no country music. There was no rock music. There was no immoral dress. There was no drugs. There was no television. There was no movies. There was no cinema. There was none of that in the Garden of Eden. And yet mankind rebelled against God, mm. and fell into sin. Yeah. The big issue is always pointing to externals when the issue is the heart. Yeah, that's it. And they just rarely ever get around to the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Yeah. Mm. And that's the issue. So if we try to make sin an entirely external issue, we miss the whole point of what sin is and how sinister sin is. And Brian, the problem with what you just said is that you went to quoting scripture again. Yeah. These guys promised at the very beginning that they were going to give a solid biblical defense and argument. And I will just say to these fellas that both of these episodes have been scripturally anemic. Mm. Some people, it goes along the lines of what you said, Nate, they quote a lot of scripture. There's no substance there, though. It's just verses, and they it's doing it just to show they know the chapter and the verse, and they can quote a lot of Scripture. A lot of people, it's in how they dress. A lot of people, it's what they do. God knows the heart, yeah. and I think ultimately what this comes down to, it doesn't matter if you're sitting at a Garth Brooks concert or a Sandy Patty concert. If your heart is wicked, it, it, it doesn't matter what you're putting in. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. I struggle with legalism. 
I struggle with focusing on the external sure. man because, you know, I may preach in jeans and a, and a T-shirt or a golf shirt or something like that, but I still want to look good and I still may focus more on that. So I struggle with legalism. All of us do. We're recovering legalists. We don't have this down and we're not pointing our fingers at the IFB guys and saying, we've got this right and you've got this wrong. We, we know that we struggle with this. I promise it will be forever easier to keep a certain amount of rules and regulations that are external than it will be to keep your heart and mind focused wow. on Christ. Absolutely. It's good. A lot of ways legalism is easier because yeah. you've got your list, you keep it, everybody's happy. But yep. when you start dealing with the heart, man, God convicts me daily, daily, weekly, reading scripture every single day. He deals with me. That's the line for us is scripture and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, the importance of the body of Christ is so it is so real to me and so important to me that I I don't I'm not wearing any rings on my fingers right now, but I do wear rings. But if I sat down with a Church of God brother or some other brother that that did not have that liberty to wear a wedding ring on his finger mm-hmm. or a class ring on his finger, I wouldn't wear one on mine out of offending taking my liberty and offending I'm that dear sure. brother in the Lord Jesus Absolutely. Christ. Yes. Because he is more important than me. Would that not apply to us? Hmm. He's sitting there saying that we need to conform to his standards, but he just said this other brother is more important than me, and yet they've spent two episodes saying that we're way off base because we don't have the same standards. as the, It just doesn't make any logical sense. Nathan, but I do think it was really good that he just referred to a Church of God guy as his brother. I know a lot of independent fundamental Baptists who would not do that, you know, because he believes in speaking in tongues. He believes in losing your salvation and church of God guys aren't just King James only. And, you know, they, they live under a different umbrella than we do, but I do want to give him credit for at least acknowledging that there's people outside of the independent Baptist realm who are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's more than he does for us. He he really doesn't, they don't ever acknowledge that we're true brothers, and I don't. Well, think, that's because we're morons. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they really think that. I need to view every brother in Christ as yes, being sir. more important than I am. Yes. Instead of viewing everything with my rose-colored glasses about what I want to be right for me. Right. Yes. You know, that's where we're at, though. Yes, sir. And I want to tell you, I appreciate you. That's great, uh, Leading Mark. us in this direction on this subject, and there could be a lot more said about it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we are in a mess. And I'm glad some of these folks are leaving, just to be honest with mm-hmm. you, because they aren't who we are. Right. You don't sound like you're glad about it because you just spent two hours gripping about the fact that we left. So if you're glad that we left, I, there's two hours of evidence that click says you're bait, not. Clickbait. <laughs> From the Higher Grounds Podcast, you have a great day. Some closing statements here, guys, from these two 30-minute episodes. I think I can say that, uh, personally, I conclude that you care more about extra-biblical standards than Bible truths or theology. And it seems like you care more about being right than having a conversation. I personally entered into this, and we entered into this, hoping for godly advice and, and an opportunity to search our stance according to Scripture, but... I don't really feel like I got godly advice. I felt like I got condescension, not in everything that was said, but in a lot of it. 
And that's and, okay because we can take it. Yeah, yeah, we can take yeah. it. Uh, but your logical argument is lacking. I, I just say that honestly. Uh, we don't think you're bad guys, and we don't think you need to be exactly like us. We think you need to focus on the gospel more than personal preferences. And we think you need to embrace humility and be open to honest conversations with people that disagree with you rather than implying over and over and over throughout both of these episodes that you know we probably aren't even in the family of God. And we know that we're not going to be best buds, yeah, but, but we, we, get that. We, we love Jesus. And we want to see sinners saved, lives changed, the gospel preached, God's kingdom come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And we want to see an end to extra-biblical man-made doctrines yeah. that are preached as Bible doctrines. Yeah. yeah. We know that you don't take us seriously or really even acknowledge that we are authentic Christians, but we also know that that has nothing to do with the Bible, we know that that's because of your extra-biblical man-made doctrines. And I would love to continue this conversation. This is an open yeah. welcome to these guys. I would love to sit down with you at some point. But thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to do this. I think this is really good content, and I think these are really important gospel issues that we're discussing. And um, I say let's just keep it going. Brian, JC, I want to thank you guys for your character for your honesty, for your openness and transparency and authenticity. Mm. It's refreshing. Well, you know, I think the three of us together, I love that you mentioned earlier that there's differences between the three of us. Yeah. And and certainly there there is. All of us have different experiences, and all of our stories vary, you know, somewhat. But here's the thing. No one can discredit what we've been through, mm. where we are, and how we desire God to use us. And I, I pray that there will be a lot of people that will turn to the Scripture and experience true life change mm. through God's Word. And, hey, I just want to be a part of the crowd that's rolling away the stone from the tomb so that Jesus can resurrect people from the dead. Amen. So I'll roll away stones and be criticized the entire time. That's fine. Yeah, and I want to end by saying this. I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I believe it's inerrant. I believe it's infallible. I believe in the deity of Christ. I believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I believe that we are all sinners, that we have all been affected by the fall, that we need a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the only Savior. He's the promised Savior from Genesis all the way through Revelations. He comes in the New Testament as the fulfillment of all that God promised. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the very God-man. He lives a perfect, sinless life, dies a sacrificial, substitutionary death on the cross, his death on the cross is the payment for my sins and your sins. He rises from the dead victoriously in power, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He is our risen Savior. Yeah. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I believe the gospel. I believe in the great commission. We're called to go and make disciples. I believe that we're called to live in Christian unity. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in living a clean, pure, holy, godly 
Christian life. I affirm all the historical, orthodox, biblical doctrines. And I could go on and on and on, and I know that you two brothers agree with what I'm saying, and you could add to Mm -hmm. it. So we believe the gospel. We are not heretics. Yeah. We are saved by grace in Jesus Christ, and we have problems. We are sinners, and God is sanctifying us Mm -hmm. and making us more into the image of Christ. But we're different from the hosts of the Higher Grounds podcast. But that's okay, because we answer to Jesus Christ. He is our master. Yes, sir. And to those that listen to the RFP, uh, that you're out there, and these last two episodes are kind of giving you a little bit of a, okay, with everything going on in the world today, with all the stuff that's happening around, uh, why are Christians fighting? And I know, I know, I know there's going to be some that are like, podcast wars, with everything going on, why is this where you choose to be at? Because I believe truth never fears a challenge, first yeah. off. And we want to we want to continue to express truth. Yeah. And truth is consistent with itself. Truth correlates with reality. And we want you to continue to investigate that truth. We don't want you to just take everything that Brian and Nathan and myself say on this podcast as truth. We want you to continue to investigate it. And we want you to find what you stand on and why you stand on that and why you believe what you believe. And I know there's a lot of you that have walked away from your faith in Jesus because truth was forced at you that wasn't necessarily truth. It was somebody's idea of truth. And you said, I don't want anything to do with that. And I also want to address the idea that we're fighting. No. No, we're not fighting. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I have no reason to believe that any of the three of these guys aren't brothers in Christ. Amen. Um, I have no reason to believe that. I'm not fighting with them. This is what biblical discussion sounds right. like. And if we can't have biblical discussion so that we, so that we, increase our knowledge of God's word so that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we come to a better understanding of God's word, then then we're never going to grow. Yeah. And so I just want everybody to understand this is not a fight. That's not what this is. By, by the way, if it is, it's the most tame fight I've ever heard. <laughs> in all my life. And let's be honest, this is what we need in this world right now. We need to listen to each other. We need to hear each other and we need to have a Good conversation. Yeah, and one of my points for my sermon this weekend was Christ over culture. Yeah. We always need to focus on Christ over culture. And what we're doing here tonight, for those of you who don't realize it's one thirty in the morning yeah. for us, but uh, and we've been here for three and a half, four hours. So what we're doing tonight is trying to stay focused on the gospel yeah. in the middle of a culture that is losing its grip on the gospel. And the answer for what's going on in culture right now is Jesus Christ. It's not politics. The answer is and always will be Jesus. And I believe what we're doing tonight honors God. And I believe what uh, some of these guys are preaching that are on the other side of the aisle from us in the IFB is honoring Christ. Mm. And uh, I've had the opportunity to listen to a lot of these guys' sermons. And man, I appreciate what they're preaching. I appreciate the, the truth of the gospel that they are proclaiming. And if you're still here listening and you've made it through this second episode of this this part 2, uh, we want we want to remind you that there is hope. Yeah. That there is uh, a God that loves you 
and maybe this has brought up some PTSD in certain ways, or you're like, oh man, this is exactly why I don't prescribe to anything, any Christianity right now because of this, that that nobody can agree. There's always two sides to everything. I want to remind you that there is hope, and Jesus is the answer. And you don't have to have every answer to every question. You don't have to know what it's going to look like tomorrow. You just got to know who you're trusting in today. And the gospel that was just so plainly laid out by Nathan here just a moment ago is relevant and real and and available to you today. And what you have to realize on the higher ground side, there's three finite guys who don't have all knowledge and all wisdom. On the RFP side, there's three guys who don't have all knowledge and all wisdom. This is what it sounds like for the body of Christ, guys who love Scripture, to work through things. Amen. That's it. Hey, we want to thank you for being here on this episode of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We want to thank Jay Radio for sponsoring this podcast. For you, the listener, for continuing to come back each and every week and giving us a listen, uh, we, are, we are grateful for you, and we would love for you to follow us. We're now on SoundCloud, and you can go on there. Go download jradio.com. Go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. Share a story. Read some stories. Hear some hope. Hear some pain. Hear some hurt. Share some hope. Share some help. And uh, we love you. Be a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. If you would like to sponsor, we're looking for monthly sponsors. You can help us with some of the offset of the cost that is uh, starting to mount up a little bit yeah. with T-shirts and editing. And uh, there's a lot there. And we'll just be straight up honest with you. I mean, you got to spend some money to make some money, I guess, in certain yeah. ways. And this is where we're at. And if you received a T-shirt this week, because we sent a whole lot of them take out last a picture. week, please take a picture, post it from wherever you're at, tag your location, tag us. We want to see those things. Yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, we, we, we shared this on the, the Zoom call that we did. There's some things coming up with the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast that's going to take us a lot more than just talking into some microphones. And uh, we want to help bring help to those that are hurting and uh, find some healing there. So, guys, I love you. It's been great. I'm ready to go home and go to bed. Let's do it. It's Actually, wa- let's too. go to Waffle House. Let's go to Waffle House. Yeah. Brian, you want to go to Waffle House? We'll Zoom you at Waffle House. Hey, I'm not driving nine and a half hours to go to Waffle House. I promise <laughs> no, that. Zoom, you stay in Danville, and we'll sit at Waffle House. Do you House have and- Waffle House in Danville? Only if my phone screen is, is uh, scratch and taste. that's a good reason to leave danville yep i'm done (laughs) i thought you guys were the south we are Mm. with no waffle waffle, we make waffles at home oh man yuck i'm about to go get me some scattered smothered covered chunk top diced at 1 30 in the morning Mm. let's go i love you guys it's been great we'll see you next time love you bro love you too man be sweet Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. <laughs>